thank you for listening to Let the Right Films in our podcast on the IMDb Top 250. We pick a movie every week. We talk about it. We give you some facts and trivia about it. And this week, I am your host, as usual, for Boating Exposition, Tyler Hannon, ready to put my life on the line for this podcast. With me today, as always, in the coffee shop, real-life Nikki Lauda, Kayla Sainan, struggling through grievous injury to record this. And this week, we have our first guest, Ben Rentendhouse. He has the visage of Thor, but he's talking like Iron Man. Ben, how's it going? I'm so flattered. <laughs> but, yeah, you are our first guest in the podcast. How does that feel? It feels amazing to be the first interloper in, in the series of many. This is true. We do have... It will be, and we'll it will have you on many times. We have a bunch of other people on. It's gonna be great. We currently uh, we have nine guests lined up so far. Apparently. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you yeah. have you have the honor. <laughs> so if anyone listening doesn't like the sound of my voice, sorry. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I do want to point out on the top that uh, we are on iTunes now. You can find us on iTunes. Just search "Let the Right Films in the Podcast" and. You'll probably have to sort through a few movie podcast episodes about let the right one in the movie, but eventually we will pop up. Mm. And as you listen to us and rate us five stars consistently with glowing reviews, we will pop up higher in the search results, I'm sure. Yes, we also upgraded our SoundCloud account, so every episode is now available. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> or the very basics of running a... Shut up. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Anyways, uh, have you guys watched anything recently that you've enjoyed? Ben, go ahead. Take the floor. <laughs> um, I, I have a whole rant about Fantastic Four that I have boiling inside me for the purpose of keeping... Oh, God. <laughs> I, I got most of it out in this really probably too lengthy blog post that I wrote, but if anyone hasn't seen it who's listening to this, it is indeed awful. It is a flaming bag of shit. I'm sorry if we can't have cuss words on here. But we, we got that explicit tag. It's all good. Yeah, it's it, it has no respect. I'm I'm pretty sure it is nothing but like a giant scheme just to like get money into Fox. Oh, it like, is absolutely a is scheme even, to keep even, the rights. It's not even so much about money as it is about keeping the rights. Well, it's. Well, they're not going to keep the rights anyway after this. I really, I, I think it'd be more lucrative if they just sold them, but... Yeah, but studios are really stupid, so... <laughs> this is true. This is true. I don't know why anyone, especially after what happened with Spider-Man and Sony, would ever, like, just not bow down before Marvel at this point. Really? Willingly or not. they're the ones who are going to get a right. Exactly. Well, not always, but they, they, have a, they have a better track record than Fox has with these things. True. I say my pipe dream for Fantastic Four being in the Marvel Universe is that Chris Evans will still play the Human Torch. Just both of them. And then meet Captain America. And then everybody will be like, wow, you guys look really similar. And then they're just like, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> How long did it take to fit a Chris Evans punch into the podcast? I feel like it's got to be a running feature. I'm sorry. Chris Evans needs to be mentioned in every podcast. Not until, just yours. We wait until the end of the last one. Oh, I just figured I would it. get it in there sooner this time because, you know. But, you know, okay, speaking <laughs> of Fantastic Four and not Chris Evans, but still the Flaming Torch, I'm really disappointed because I was very excited for Michael B. Jordan as the Flaming Torch. Or the Human, Human Torch. Torch. <laughs> I just listened to um, an episode of the Throwing Adventure Hour where they have the Human Flame. Mm. And I combined the two. But the, yes, the Human Torch. Like I just thought he'd be great in that, and apparently it's just kind of drab. And you, 
You yes. like you like Michael B. Jordan, Tyler? I do like Michael. Thought he was pretty good in Fruitvale Station. Well, he's completely wasted here. Um, <laughs> he does nothing but like every occasionally like they will like cut to him and give him like a smarmy, not that funny one-liner, and then of course, what else would you do with the one not white person in the cast? You know. Um. Well, there are two black people in the cast. Are there? Yes. I uh, his father is also black. Oh, well, okay. Because Kate Mara, so, the Invisible Woman, Sue Storm, is the adopted one, actually. Yes. Okay. Which is different, but not bad, I suppose. I like that. Like, the one thing I've heard is that they don't make a big deal about the race thing, but they also don't treat them like siblings at all. They ha- they barely have any scenes together at all. And like you were saying, so Michael B. Jordan, he gets all, like, the bad, terrible one-liners because, you know, black character. And then guess what happens to the other black character? They fucking die. He's dead. First one. God damn it. First one down. <laughs> Violently too. Mother. <laughs> I don't know why I bother. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted that movie to be good too. Like, I was rooting for it. And I guess I read online that like everything that was in the trailer wasn't even in the movie. Okay, so this is it's weird because do you remember that big scene of the thing jumping out of a helicopter that is pretty much the centerpiece of the trailer? Yeah. Not in the movie. What? Nope. I also heard that they changed, like, all of the color palettes, too. They did. And there's, you can tell when the reshoots happen, because, like, in half the movie, Kate Mara's hair looks, like, kind of naturally blonde. And then there are just other interspersed scenes where it's clearly a terrible, like, Halloween <laughs> USA-level wig. What happened that they couldn't get, like, a regular, like, a good Hollywood wig? Like I don't know. <laughs> this, this movie was made for... One hundred and twenty million dollars. They had the budget. Maybe they just maybe they accidentally used all of it. The wig was what they didn't have it in the wig budget though. It's like the baby from they American Sniper. They only had like five dollars in the wig budget. Right, it wasn't allocated <laughs> correctly. Now I do have a question. So I really like everyone on this cast as an actor. Although yes. Miles Teller's personality is kind of fascinating. <laughs> but um, who was wasted the most? Because it sounds like all of them were wasted. They were all differently wasted like except miles teller i would say probably got the best because he gets the most screen time and has the most to do um michael b jordan gets the one-liners kate mara it's so she doesn't even get to go on like the exploration thing that turns him into the fantastic four that's what i heard what no it's uh so the three dudes and dr doom the three dudes and dr doom get wasted one night because they're mad that they don't get to go on the exploration. Like, people from NASA are scheduled to go. So they get drunk, strap themselves into this machine, and just go exploring another dimension just because, oh. like, fuck it. Aren't they, like, 20-something in this yes. version? Yes. In what world do... Oh, my God. Okay. We should go see this. Like, oh, no. just because, well, like... I feel like it would be, like... See, here's the thing, though. Wouldn't you... Like, when we saw Jupiter Ascending, that was, like, a fun train wreck. And I feel like this would just be us... It'd be, like... When we went and saw Pitch Perfect too, and we were just no. This terrible. isn't even fun. Like the, the main <laughs> sin of this movie is that it's so boring. Like there's nothing. There's nothing that'll make you like laugh at how bad it is. You'll just sit there in excruciating pain for an hour and a half. Oh my god. Okay, never mind. Maybe we shouldn't go see. Maybe it'll be like a drunk DVD release thing. Or like we'll watch a compilation on YouTube of like the <laughs> biggest worst fails of Fantastic Four. Actually, that definitely already I'm pretty exists. sure, it's, yeah, there's probably like 50. That's just the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't cut anything out. Like, the way they the way they do Doctor Doom, like, Doctor Doom has been done poorly in almost every Fantastic Four, like, media thing. Save the comic books. This is probably the worst I've seen him, where he's, like, this, like, shitty, really pretentious environmentalist now, and he he gets these powers that don't make sense, 
which I, I don't know. I can't. I'm not going to waste the whole time going into this. It, it would just make me like seethingly angry, and okay, I don't want. Okay, all right, all right. We'll and move on. Everybody <laughs> yeah. has ranted about this movie already. It's kind of was a thing. It's okay. It's fine. Everybody has to get their feelings out. It has a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Actually, you it know what? Sweet. If you gave this movie your time and money, you deserve to have some time, like on the internet, to just vent about it. I didn't give it my. T- I didn't give it my money. Oh, okay. you didn't? Did you stream it? Or? I'm not going to say how I saw it, but I saw it in a way that did not, there was no loss of money. Well, we're just going to assume Ben got a free screening. and yes. That's wow. so cool that you get free screenings. I wow. you got to tell me how to get yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I will send you the link. I mean, totally tell you. We do not advocate movie piracy on this podcast. If any of our sponsors are listening, that did not happen. Yeah. Uh, friend uh, of the show, Fox <laughs> Studios, please. <laughs> Well, as you know, we are sponsored by uh, Channing Tatum and Anna Kendrick, so... Was it Channing Tatum? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, Channing, I didn't mean to forget you. But I have watched Clue mostly over and over when I've actually had free time, uh, because Halloween is coming. Uh, there's no such thing as holiday creep when it's Halloween. I'm fucking it's ready. Just, it's a year-round I'm so thing. ready. <laughs> and so I've been watching Clue on repeat because that is just such a delightful and if very dated movie i don't see people always like act like it's a bad thing when movies are dated but i, I love it i don't think it's a bad thing because no. like i don't know it's cool when movies can pull off that timeless thing but also like i don't want every movie to be like a nebulous timeless atmosphere except for the three ending like a few of the three endings in clue deal with like cold war russian spies nice <laughs> which is a bit of datedness that is just not as warm and fuzzy and more uh that <laughs> that was but there's a, that's right there's only one true ending which one's the true ending wait oh, dude, I, I haven't seen it wait <laughs> you haven't seen clue no i've never seen clue i'm gonna take my earbud I keep out forgetting. i'm taking my earbud out let me know when i can put it back in <laughs> okay ben go on any anything that sets up tim curry as the murderer is canon in my mind this is true that, that is, is the best ending tim curry is always the murderer even in tim curry's life in the real world he is the murderer <laughs> Okay. Yes, he's incredible. Caleb, you can join us. Anyways, the best that. ending. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. That's good. Caleb, what have you watched recently? Um, well, I have been trapped in like an unending work hellhole. Mm-hmm. So all of my free time has been to watch movies at work again. I'm not gonna say the name as funny as it would be for you to have to do the bleep don't, noises again. Don't do it again. <laughs> but um so I also have been experiencing the Halloween holiday creep. Usually around this time of year, like something just like clicks in my brain and I'm just like, fall, it's, fall is coming, it's time. It's been like a fall, it's been like threatening to click in the last couple months. Oh, like I'm when done. we watch the guests and it follows and all that, like pump- it just like almost snaps into place, but not quite. I had a pumpkin spice latte the other day, so it's over. But anyway, uh, so oh I can- God. <laughs> I can You don't only... even know the backstory that <laughs> Ben and Starbucks have a very complicated Oh no, I got, it from, I got it from Big B because Starbucks wouldn't let me order it yet. Oh. But anyway, uh, so the movies that I have watched, we'll talk about pumpkin spice lattes later. But um, <laughs> I have been watching Coraline, which I always go back and forth as to whether or not I should watch in the store because I don't know if you guys have not seen Coraline, but it's fucking terrifying. But also yeah. people allow their children to rent basically anything. I mean, yeah, but there's always going to be like that one mom that's like, this is too scary. There's buttons in their eyes or whatever. Anyway, so that movie is really good. Um, I am always baffled that Dakota Fanning does the voice for Coraline because it does not sound 
like her at all to me. So I didn't know that either. Yeah, I'm just always like I remember looking it up one time and I was like, that seems mm. fake, but okay. <laughs> and then I rewatched Hocus Pocus the other day, which is classic and awesome. Um, and also, every time I watch that movie, that's another one where like I can't really believe that that's Sarah Jessica Parker because it just doesn't look like her. I don't know, did she get plastic surgery or something? Or maybe it's just the eyeliner. I don't know. But yeah, so then the last thing that I watched at the store, uh, Halloween Town 1 and 2, Disney Channel original movies. And I actually listened yes. to a really interesting, uh, because it was so slow at work the other day that I was literally just sitting there watching it. And Halloween Town is actually a really amazing, like, feminist movie, because pretty much the whole thing is about, like, saying no to toxic masculinity and embracing, like, the feminine side of, I guess, power. Because literally, the villain's, like, main motivation for wanting to, like, take over Halloween Town and ruin everybody's lives is because Marnie's mom didn't want to, like, date him because she dated their dad instead. And I'm like, so you literally decided to destroy your entire world because you thought you were in the friend zone. And then there's this really great scene where, like, they all, like, join hands at the end to, like, do the spell or whatever. And so, like, and then there's, like, this... Like, the brother is like, ah, I'm not a witch, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, you are a witch. Like, you have to do it. We can't do it without you. And so he embraces, like, his witch powers. And I'm like, okay, that's, like, actually a really good subversion of, like, gender norms and stuff like that. So early 2000s Disney Channel original movies had it going on. I was pleasantly surprised at how well that held up and that I was able to come to that, like, new understanding of it, which maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it was nice. How do you feel about Halloween, Ben? And before you answer, this will affect how many times you're on the podcast <laughs> in the future. I love Halloween. All right. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Good answer. <laughs> but yeah. Podcast it's a... over. <laughs> so I very... always go with something Jewish themed because I have to. But <laughs> I do enjoy my my Halloween. I mean, there are options for everyone, whether you just enjoy the snacks or the drinks or the costumes or the movies or whether or, there's just so many good things. I so just, good. yeah, I'll just throw myself into all of it. I don't care. Yeah, that's pretty great. More <laughs> plaid. Just all the plaid. More plaid. <laughs> but yeah, relatively brief what we've been watching this week because life is busy and cruel and unrelenting. But the movie we're talking about this week is Rush. <laughs> you are to death, the more alive you feel. You're James, aren't you? Yes. Who's that? It's Nicky Lauda. He's just been signed by Ferrari. This is nobody. Look at the way he's driving like an old man. Right now, with zero incentive, why would I drive fast? Because I'm asking you to. All right, so Rush is number 160 on the IMDb Top 250. Right in between, actually, I didn't realize before we started, The Sixth Sense and last week's movie, The Maltese Falcon. Woo! So it's as good mm. as The Maltese Falcon. Isn't it above it? Okay. One, yeah, it is one spot above it. <laughs> so it's better than The Maltese Falcon. Oh, okay. oh, that's true. All right, let's remember that the IMDb Top 250 is a subjective rating. <laughs> Listen, it's on the internet. <laughs> it could flip at any time. So does that mean you do not believe it should be the side Caitlin? Um, I don't know. Okay, so from my notes, uh, 
what Lots I said, of all caps, okay. <laughs> what I said back and forth was that, like, this is kind of a wild card movie for me because while I'm not, like, opposed to watching a movie about something like this, like racing, but it's not a movie that I would have ever, like, picked to sit down and watch. Like, it's not something I would have thought would be interesting to me. So, but, like, I also didn't have, like, a negative opinion. Like, I literally went into this movie with utterly, like, no preconceived opinions or notions. And, like, that was actually kind of nice. I don't know if it's, like, I don't know if it's, like, an 8.1 movie, but it was a pretty good movie. (laughs) Ben, what would you think of it? I watched this movie on, I think it was Tuesday, and I'm glad I took notes. Because I, I, I remember very little of the finer plot details, aside from being kind of marveled that it has a 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is not a bad movie, but I found it kind of a, and maybe it's because it's ranked as on this list, but I found it kind of unremarkable. I, my, my, my vision may have been colored by that. I don't know. Um, I don't, I, I'm not opposed to watching a movie about this either. I'm not really into, what is it? Formula one racing. Yeah. But it's, I, NASCAR for rich people, NASCAR for British people. I was going to say, like, it's more just like not American. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that you couldn't really remember the specific plot points because I actually I I wrote that I was like halfway through I realized I was like I feel like the movie is like almost flashcards like you're kind of just like it's just like everything's just like boom 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 but also like not really a lot happens. I would agree with that. Yeah, this movie is an interesting one. This is the second time I've seen this movie. I saw it when it first came out on DVD however long ago, more than a year, less than two years, I believe, something like that. But uh, going through the second time, I had the basics in my head already and kind of knew what to look for. And it's interesting in that, um, so it's kind of like an Oscar movie because it's like, it's a, it's kind of a period pick. Oh, I feel like they 100% thought that they were going to like get a bunch of nominations. Oh, definitely. Just the, like from the, the way that the score was. The real life Nicky Lauda, um, part of his demands going into the movie were... I want to go to the Oscars. The other one was, I don't want to look gay. Like, he was very concerned with his heterosexuality. The whole movie is like a dick measuring contest. Like, literally 17 of my notes have, oh my god, we get it, you're straight. Okay, cool, cars, heterosexuality, yay. Well, that's like the main thrust of the movie is, like, basically these two guys, Nicky Lauda and James Hunt, standing nose to nose and going, no, I'm more awesome. I mean, they probably made out, like, at least once. Right, <laughs> but yeah, where... but uh, yeah, this this movie. So it's obviously it has the Oscar asp- aspirations, but I feel that's kind of tempered by a couple of things. One is the fact that it's a sports movie, and sports movies tend to, it, I mean, it depends on the sports movie, but they seem to have more of a mainstream sure. kind of vibe to them. And it's directed by Ron Howard, who also is his defining characteristic is that he's like remarkably effective that's what i you know i noticed that i was like i have really no interest in this but damn ron howard knows how to make like an emotionally engaging movie yeah i was gonna say ron howard is a very like he's not a bad director he's very he's very skilled with the exception of the grinch we'll forgive him for that because (laughs) some things you have to get over but i thought i didn't think there was anything wrong with the direction of this movie um my my main thing is the script is so like very much like it's like it's like reading a wikipedia summary yeah. did you notice i felt like that especially hemsworth 
I felt like his delivery was like almost wooden yeah. at points, and I couldn't tell if it was maybe like just because I'm used to him like being a very like very particular and boisterous as Thor, which is like a very distinct speaking like way of speaking. But I just felt like a lot of his delivery was like. Well, Nikki Lauda, we are here at this racetrack now, <laughs> doing the thing. <laughs> does it affect your opinion of the script, knowing that it's by Peter Morgan, the same dude who did like Frost, Nixon, and uh, basically British biopics is what he does. I, yeah. Oh, The Queen too. I'm looking Queen, at it right now. Yes, yep. Yeah, two other movies I wasn't really impressed with and felt kind of the same way. Last okay. Scotland, I, I feel like too. writing historical stuff is so hard though because like you kind of don't really have that creative freedom with the dialogue mm -hmm. that you would have normally to be fair there were a couple of lines in here that I thought were really good some overreached a bit like it was they were obviously going for something and it ended up being a little bit of a groaner but there are certain lines in there particularly the one that stuck out to me the most is when Nikki Lauda says near the very end you are equally responsible for getting me back on the track mm -hmm. And that also serves as a culmination for Daniel Bruhl as Nicky Lauda. He is, I think, by far the best part of this movie. I actually don't yes. understand why he doesn't have top billing in the movie. I felt like he focused far, like, way more on him mm -hmm. than do, on Do you want to know why? Well, because Thor. Look, yeah. look at this face. <laughs> we have the IMDb page pulled up right now. Look at that face. I just, it's just really, I mean, I understand why, but it's also so weird that, like, Hemsworth is, like, the whole main marketing focus, but I really don't feel like, I feel like he's, he he's was... really the, not a huge part of the movie. No. He, like, the first third of it is more his story, and then, like, the very end is a little bit more his story again. But the main part is Nikki Lauda, and I, I, I think it's a better movie for that, too. Uh, I think... It, probably because Nikki Lauda is the one who is still alive and had a tremendous amount of influence on the script. Yeah. Probably and, helped. Well, I think Nikki Lauda is the one who has things happen to him. Yes. Nikki Lauda is the one who actually, like, has, like, is... Uh, spoilers, I guess. I don't know. It's fine. We but, don't spoilers. <laughs> yeah, is the one who gets in this, like, pretty horrific, you know, pile of accident mm. and gets burned to the point where they have to shove a vacuum down his throat and get the ash out of his lungs, which yeah. is probably the most horrific thing I've ever yeah, thought okay, about. Do you, want, do you want me to read, do you want me to read my notes about oh, the lung evacuation? Holy shit. Okay, in all caps. <clears throat> oh, wait, hold on. Let me find it. Which okay. all caps? <clears throat> Yo, this is fucking gruesome, and I did not sign up for this. Holy shit, it's all the way in his mouth. No. <laughs> yep. Second note, at the risk of way too many jokes, I have a super sensitive gag reflex, so this is pure horror for me fuck and then is it she almost was... puked just like uh, i honestly did like i was like eating chipotle just like chris hemsworth she just like spontaneously vomited oh yeah beginning of my notes i vomit before everything too when i'm stoked totally right <laughs> and it, as if that wasn't bad enough nikki lauda is apparently so badass that once they get done evacuating the ash from his lungs he's like no do it again <laughs> i just want one more time the thing is that apparently this movie is tremendously um, accurate to what happened in real life like most of the plot events like his car crash and yes. him getting back on the track so quickly are all um, they actually happened which the veracity of the um, the I, I don't usually highly consider a movie's uh, like how close it is to real life yeah how close it is yeah, how close it is to real life how dedicated it is to following the story usually not a big deal it doesn't sure. like just being accurate doesn't make it a good movie but i did find it kind of remarkable here because it is this kind of over the top sto sports story and it does kind of help drive the narrative when you know that 
it's not only based on a true story. Most of the things that happen in it. Well, and I feel like that's like, again, like you said, probably because the script was supervised by Nicky Lauda, which is why he is the main character. And is, which is why James Hunt looks like a massive <laughs> dick. Throughout to be this fair, whole he, kinda, movie. It, he seemed to me like that was real, though, like that he was a massive. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And it, it also gives the movie some opportunities to be like male gaze. Look at these ladies. Yeah, which yeah, is pretty okay. much Chris Hemsworth's entire character in this movie is that they give him. They don't really give him a character. They give him like characteristics, which is like he he poons a lot and he throws up. <laughs> I feel like is like pretty much the thrust of what Chris Hemsworth's performance is in this movie. Uh, I don't know how you two feel about him. I'm not so sold on the Hemsworth. I don't really, I don't quite get it. I like him, but I don't know if I like really trust him to like lead a movie on his own. Like I watched the first half of Black Hat. It was. Oh my I God. Just, yeah. That movie's not interesting to me. So that's like another thing where I just like, I guess I don't really have a negative opinion on it, but I would never like sit down and watch it. I don't know if Isn't it like... I can ever believe him as a huge, like, like as a kid, like I can believe him as Thor, like this not he literally real, is Thor. He is Thor, <laughs> but I don't know that I can believe him as much else. He's fine in this role, which I is a is an effect of just the age we live in today. That the thing I compare him to was like Tony Stark. I'm like, oh, it's like mm. Thor's Tony Stark. I'm like, that stereo that um that archetype has existed for a lot longer than Tony Stark because yeah. of the. Because he is next to Tony Stark so often, and because <laughs> we live in the Marvel age, all hail, that's all I could think of. It's like, it's Thor doing his Tony Stark impression. Yeah. I don't know. It, going back to, like, the whole male gaze thing, this movie is so weird to me because, like, it is so overtly, bafflingly masculine. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, I, again, and, like, I felt more engaged than I thought I was going to, but there was just so much stuff where I was just like, can we just chill for a minute on how straight you are? Natalie Dormer and Olivia Wilde, like, they pop up for five minutes. Fuck, okay, the Olivia Wilde thing made me so mad. (laughs) Because, like, okay, so in the end, like, when he's, like, about to win the world championship or whatever, what is the point of cutting to her character? Like, first of all, like, she doesn't have better shit to do. It's everyone in his life. Okay, no. Everyone in his life. She made it, it very clear. Sponsor too. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. She made it very clear <laughs> that she like did not appreciate the way that she was treated, and of course she's all like, oh, and it's like, yeah, we have to cut to his ex-wife because we have to prove that she was wrong and she did the wrong thing and blah blah. Even though he has that virtually no growth as a human being. I will say, I didn't think they were portraying mm. her as realizing she was wrong, but more like the past people in his life, who, I mean, I guess technically they had all passed him by or like given up on him quote unquote but I felt it was like the past people in his life kind of being still having like these feelings for this guy who's like oh he's kind of a card but deep down I guess I don't know know. I dated a shitty guy and like if I found out that he did something amazing and like won an award or something I'd be like man fuck that guy he doesn't deserve that (laughs) (laughs) like I wouldn't be like watching it on TV (laughs) no that's true I that's just because they tried to portray it a certain way does not mean it's true. Yeah, especially with something like, I'm gonna say it. I don't really think that racing is that impressive. <laughs> they just run in circles. Okay, that was another... no, not in NASCAR, not in uh, not in Formula One. I guess <laughs> it is. It is driving. It is driving. Like I drive fast too. The only difference is I get a ticket when I do it. But... I feel like we're underestimating the skill that goes into probably, the... but like also though he was such a dick. Like when they were going to their divorce scene, he was like, "Oh, I bet you have some moisturizer to sell." I'm like, "Bro, you drive a fucking car. Can we not like diminish your wife's accomplishments <laughs> because they're not like manly and whatever like that's yours what are?" That's what I'm getting at. Is like if there were any like it's this is not a sport that takes like 
years of rigorous skill, I would assume. Like, so it's not like a massive accomplishment that he wins whatever he wins. This is just my opinion. We're probably, I'm sure all the race fans who listen to the show are just going to come out in force. There's probably, and just... Yeah, there's probably so many of them hacking in the woodwork. I'm sure. <laughs> well, that's one of the interesting things about the movie too is, I mean, the so the rivalry is the big thing that drives the movie, especially from Nicky Lauda's side because he's the more interesting character. And so yes. the whole, the, the, uh, the climax of the movie is uh, Chris Hemsworth, um, I forgot his name somehow, but Jeez. he... James Hunt, James yes, James Hunt. Wow, it's not, it's not a podcast a... if Tyler doesn't forget somebody's name. Oh, come on, I, for, I remember Nikki Lauda because he's more interesting. <laughs> I think it's a sign. My knowledge of the names is a sign of how interesting the character. The name is right in front of you on the computer screen, even. Silence. <laughs> but uh, anyways, James Hunt. So he, it, the big thing is that like he won the race, but it's also and the movie calls us out and Nikki Lauda calls us out. It's tempered by the fact that Nikki Lauda missed basically three races and. Yeah. So it's weird. Like, so he has this triumphant thing, but we're also mostly seeing it from Nikki Lauda's point of view, and with the knowledge that James Hunt knows that he really only won it because Nikki Lauda missed these races, and sure. it's just a little more nuanced, I feel, than the usual sports movie ending. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I appreciate that they respect each other, and that in the ends they work like kind of friends, yeah. and not just like constantly like at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that was apparently like a real life thing they weren't as at each other's throats in real life but also Nikki Lauda who I have I just want to imagine Daniel Bruhl's like asshole but kind of charming Nikki Lauda and not the Nikki Lauda who was like just make sure they don't make me look gay <laughs> um, that's such a weird those were his, those were his two requests like, they wanted to make sure he did he was like don't make me look like a poof and get me to the Oscars <laughs> So but, I'm wondering uh, the what real, kind of internalized weird shit's going on there. But the real life Nikki Lauda did say, I wish James Hunt was alive to see this movie. Yeah. And I thought that was a cool kind of extension of the end of that movie. Yeah. Because that is the sentiment that you leave the movie with. It's like, oh, it's a happy-ish. I don't know. I, I kind of, I don't really tend to trust people when they make a movie about him and the person comes out as happy about it. I mean, yeah. what are you going to say? No, this is very true. Like, especially with someone who was involved in it as deeply as this guy reportedly was. Oh, and that's what I was thinking as I was reading all the stuff too, is just, it's hard to tell and it's hard to, and you want to think that people are coming at it from the right point of view and that it's not just like an Oscar grab. And I think that'll come up more when we finally do things like the imitation game and other Mm. various Oscar baity things. But it's, it's this it's almost never obvious unless it's the fantastic four what the people behind the scenes are thinking and why they are doing the movie whether it be the writer the director or the actress any of that stuff sure and i don't know i the the background stuff for this is really interesting but it also kind of disappointed me i just wanted to live in the world it's of like, honestly kind of like a boring story to be honest like it's like I'm honestly like really impressed that I was like so engaged and so like like during the last race I was really stressed out mm-hmm. and I'm just like I don't know I feel like all overall it's like not really that interesting of a story so it's interesting that they were able to make it work. Here's the thing with my biggest complaint about this movie is that they cover too much time in this film. The one thing that I always see is kind of the problem about movies when they make them about a real person or a real event is they try to cover person's entire life like that movie about ray charles with jamie fox Mm -hmm. um they cover the entire thing so it goes off feeling very much like a cliff notes version of the actual story i feel like if they had just maybe focused on the lead up 
of, on his injury in the lead up to the final race, it would have been a much better movie. Yeah. And that's by far, the, I feel, the best and my favorite part of the movie is, like, when he gets injured and then, like, the six weeks getting back. The final race is cool, but it feels more like a postscript to me. I don't really care. And then the first 45 minutes to a half an hour, which involve James Hunt sleeping with different people and stuff, <laughs> is kind of just like, yeah. yeah, okay, this is how he was. And it's very just, it's just enough. It's most of this movie is, I feel, just enough. But I, I really, that's the thing is, we had all this different stuff to go on in the Maltese Falcon, and this movie is, it's basically kind of simple when we it comes in, down like, to it. We were in, like, tangent hell with the yeah. Maltese Falcon, which wasn't bad. Like, I think that's a good thing when the movie really, because, like, this movie is just kind of like, eh, I watched it, probably won't really ever think about it again. I will say the cinematography, though, was gorgeous. One of the first things I noticed was the color palette. Mm-hmm. Like, the colors in that movie are gorgeous like just so i don't know if they did like a post edit on it or if it was just like literally that beautiful all the time when they were shooting but that just really stood out to me and i really liked it they did film on location for a bunch of those racetracks and things just every scene though just like i don't know it was just i i can't say i normally notice like color Mm -hmm. when i'm watching the movie so it's just like really just like bright and lush and so whoever did the cinematography on this movie did a gorgeous job and I felt like that was, like, for me, that was, like, the strong point of the movie was the color palette. It looked really good. There are a number of little moments that stood out to me uh, that just went after he's been dropped and he's trying to, before he gets picked up again, when he's just drunk in his house calling people, there's a moment when it's on the record player. There's a shot that lingers on the record player that's really cool. Or when they're driving and it goes into tunnel vision or, like, the pistons hammering in the engine. Yeah. Like, those shots, they're not necessary, but they're kind of cool, and I think they give it a certain style. Yeah. Then again, there are also the really, which is, again, this movie is so on the nose with the foreshadowing from the very beginning. Yes. Talking about dangerous it is so just so you on know everybody dies <laughs> like uh, i could die anytime i go out there this could be my last you race. know that also, i really that narration was so cheesy and just over the top and was, sorry God. and also <laughs> bad foreshadowing because neither of them die i mean no, and not in don't. a not in a you know nothing related to cars he dies relatively young of some kind of complication i kind of i missed what it was was it a heart attack heart attack yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so, I, I mean, in the context of that, it kind of felt, it feels very unnecessary, retrospectively, anyway. And there's so much of it. There are two or three drivers we see get hurt. They talk all the time. There's a guy getting an autograph. He's, can you put the date on it? Why? Right before the race they, where he gets injured. I was like, Because this could be really? your last race. You never knew. No. I'm like, we get it. Wow. We get it. <laughs> Something's going to happen. And also, with stuff like that, like, with biopics, like, it's almost like, why bother trying to put the time into like foreshadowing when everybody fucking knows exactly. what's gonna happen? Or even with a story that we don't necessarily know what's gonna happen, but just I don't know. E- just ease off, I yeah. think. Just like a little bit much. Yeah. I, I'm a little sad. Him, uh, James Hunt beating up the reporter in defense of Nikki Lauda, the bro moment, <sighs> never actually happens. Man. Yeah. That was the most fabricated part of the movie. Really? Yeah. That's weird though, because usually, usually they add. You know, they, they clean stuff up when they were making things about a real person. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. They added something that wasn't... It fit in with the character pretty well. It was I, good, yeah. That was probably helped, my favorite scene. It helped redeem James Hunt a lot. Well, that's like, like the, yeah, like, he has no growth in the movie. Like, No, because he's still the party guy at the end, and I, that's kind of the point, I mean, I, I guess, guess. Yeah, I mean, he's but, a real person, so it's uh, not like he really has, like, a 
character arc. There's a little bit of growth, growth for a little bit when you see when he's carrying, like in his drive for the for the cup, and in how he grows fonder of Nikki Lauda. But then it, it's the Nikki Lauda stuff is still there. But then he's just James Hunt again. And I suppose you can take something about life out of that. And yeah. That people well, it's like Olivia Wilde says, "You are who you are at this time," and no, like, what does she say? God help anyone who expects more. That's another one of those moments where I'm like, I can't tell if that's like somewhat profound or if that's just like, okay, we get it. You're trying to get Oscars, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was probably the thing for me that made it stand out so much is like this Oscar bait thing was the score. Hans Zimmer. Yes. Oh, it was Hans Zimmer. Of course. Because, like, I feel like the song selection was pretty good. Like, each song that they chose made sense, but, like, when it came to, like, scoring segments, I was like, all right, Swelling Strings, I, I get it. I know. <laughs> good old Hans Zimmer. He's the go-to. He's the guy. He's really? the one. But, yeah, I don't... I mean, the only other thing I have in this movie is I remember the relationship between Nicky Lauder and his wife being, like, a strong point of the movie, and then watching the movie, I realized, oh, she too, she's the strongest female character, and she also does not have much to do other than sit there and worry. Yeah. And just look on and be like, what I do mean, I do? I guess that's probably like probably what it was like in real yeah. life because it was in the 70s. But it's also just like if you're gonna add, if you're gonna pad in other stuff, you could just pad in like maybe some more lines for the women. Mm-hmm. Also, she was really good. Uh, the wife was really good. I should pick out her name instead of just referring to her as the wife. Uh, Alexandra Maria Laura, and her name, the wife's name was Marlene Lauda, but also Olivia Wilde as Susie Miller just had nothing to do. I'm like Olivia Wilde deserves better than Such this. Such a waste. Olivia Wilde is so great. She, oh, she, she just deserves better than this. You know this. who else deserves more? Natalie Dormer. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I realized that was maybe a couple of years ago. It was probably three or four years ago. It was filmed at this at this point. But it still seems weird in retrospect for Natalie Dormer just to be the random fling. Nurse, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, it did feel like a really strange cameo. I didn't think about it. It had probably been filmed a long time ago before she I was, was also like, are we watch, Are we watching a porn? Because I, maybe that's what James Hunt's life was like. But between the nurse just being like, whoa, come behind the curtain, and the, the flight, flight attendant, attendant. Yeah. who's just like, hey – Let's do exactly the fantasy that's in like you know, every kid's dreams. Funny enough, uh, so as I said, I have been trapped in like a never-ending work hellhole. So I actually watched this movie. I rented it on Vudu at work yesterday and like watched it while I was doing work. So like every time there was a sex scene, I had to like close the window. Just like I mean, I don't think anybody I work with would really care, but also I don't want them to be like, "Are you watching mm-hmm. porn at work right now?" Because that's pretty weird. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. Do you two have anything else to say on this? Um, the color palette thing was really the main thing I wanted to get out. Let me, let me just look at here real quick. I just, and oh, so okay. the I movie just, obviously, oh, go ahead. I just want to say, I do think, I mean, as, like, this movie is probably toes the line of, like, super just okay. And I think when generally when people watch movies and then they go to, like, rate them or whatever, like, obviously, like, this is one of those movies that, like, showcases the difference between the top 250 and like other film lists where like you have like a bunch of like not like commoners is not the right word but just like lay people like not like film critics or whatever who can like end up pushing a movie like this so high up on the list Mm -hmm. but I also like it's not bad and I also think it's really interesting to take this subject that like probably most people have either never heard of or never like cared to find out more about and turn it into this really like tense and interesting exciting story in a way i don't know that's 
No, it makes sense, and that's part of it, why I'm so fascinated by things like the IMDb 250, seeing what movies are up there and how they got up there. And besides just the makeup of the audience that's voting on these movies, very male, mm. part, <laughs> yeah. but... But also just the nature of aggregation where a movie... So Paul Thomas Anderson only has, I believe, one movie on the top 250, even though he's widely regarded one of the best directors we have. But also... But his movies are probably more divided. They're like... up. Yeah, well, it's like overall... like Stuff like that is over a lot of I'm going to debate you on that because... Okay, so fair point. His movies are divisive and not necessarily mainstream. There are, I believe, six, like... 40-year-old Italian movies on this list. Like, yeah. foreign, there are, there's a heavy foreign language showing on this list. So I don't think that's... Kurosawa yeah. and... Well, even ones that are more obscure. Like, Eight and a Half is yeah. on the list. Like, yeah, I think, La, I think La Ventura is on the top 250 now, now that I'm thinking about it. And La Ventura is, like, a really random, yeah. like... Well, I think one of the things that might affect those is that... so. Movies like The Dark Knight and the Batman movies and sure. Fight Club and any Fincher or Scorsese. 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 <laughs> any of the, I used to be very confident in my pronunciation of that, and so we started a podcast. Um, but any of those, you have a lot of people voting on those and any other blockbuster. With these really obscure foreign movies, you're not going to get a lot of people who just happened on by it and then didn't like it voting on those movies. I feel it's going like, to be people who are like actively trying to like go and vote it so that it's in like what they yeah. see is and, like an important list. And people who actively sought it out to watch it because they probably like those kind of movies. But there's like a there's a there's a rating like there's a quota of numbers that you have to hit before you can be on the list. It's like I think it's like 250,000 votes before you can make it onto this list because you know there's you can some can have an 8.1 but only have like 10 votes Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense because otherwise it'd be a mess oh yeah yeah i didn't realize it was that high it is there's there's so there's a lot of people who voted for like throne of blood or eight and a half or like contempt you know those those art housey you know 50 year old movies that People our age are like, what, what are you talking about? I don't know what that is. I'm never going to watch it. What, black and white? Gross. It's funny you, know? I it's hate funny that you use Throne of Blood because that's that has the very least ratings of anything on the top 250. <laughs> Throne of Blood does? Or, oh, yeah. second one at least. Second least, yes. Well, I saw it on there, so I just... I. No, no, that's fair. It's just funny because we had just pulled up the uh, number of ratings and it brought it up. There it is. Okay. That is true. That's I guess then that almost makes Rush more of like an anomaly, like... That so many people like saw it, but like, cause I was just like kind of perusing through the reviews because I was kind of worried I wasn't gonna like get time to watch it, so I was just like trying to read as much as I could about it, and um, it had so many ten star reviews, like, yes. an obscene amount of ten star reviews, and I'm like, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that I actually think is like a ten star. Movie. It has a ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, top critic. Just so str- like I bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it really it really is just like this strange anomaly. I'm trying to think if there even is a movie on here that's like as weird as this one. There's like, a few. X-Men. Okay, I, okay, I mean, there. my eternal issue with the NDB Top 250 is that the Shawshank Redemption is constantly at number one. <laughs> and it's like, I really like that movie, but I don't, it's not a 9.2 no. movie. Like, it's not better than so many of these other movies. Well, I know one Ben pulled it up. The one you noted, Ben, is Fight Club being, right now it's number 10. It's at 10, which is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) 
I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, popularity can get you so far, which is, that explains, like, That's basically the top 20. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange list, but I just don't under, like, to get to uh, 250,000 votes, like, you have to have people come on here, like, actively voting for this movie to be on there. Right. So, I mean, there must be, we must be in, like, the significant minority of people who thought Rush was just okay. Right, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I've also, I don't think I've ever, I don't have an IMDb account, even, so I don't think I've ever, because I, I read the message boards, like, obsessively, but I've never, like, felt the desire to, like, make an account and vote for stuff. Sure. Well, that'll change once you want a campaign to get Chris oh. Evans into the top <laughs> Right. Sorry, no, honestly, that's like my pipe dream is that one day our, our podcast is so wildly popular that we can run like a ridiculous internet campaign to get like a ridiculous movie into the top 250. Like, And so thus soiling the integrity of the list. <laughs> so we'll know in like 15 years when not another teen movie shows up at like number yeah, four. Okay, no, look, I would put a good Chris Evans movie in the top 250. Thank that's you. a good Chris Evans movie. Yes. I like that movie. I haven't seen it since I was in high school. I feel like I'd be pretty numb lost with it at this point it's the best of like the the those like the, parody the terrible ones, yeah. parody movies yeah is winter soldier in the top 250 because no I, okay that isn't a fucking travesty that guardians <laughs> of the galaxy is in the top 250 and winter soldier actually a chris evans movie is in the top 250 avengers oh okay winter soldier is a 7.8 it's not that far off Kevin. everyone go go make imgb accounts and vote for winter soldier Turn this now off right now and well, no. <laughs> wait, wait for our, wait for our fun facts and trivia. Yeah, finish. How to Train Your Dragon yeah. is on. Oh my god. How to Train Your Dragon is a great movie. One fifty. <laughs> it is a great movie. Okay. All right. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> uh, Ben, did you have anything else in this movie? Um, I a shoulder shrug maybe. <laughs> it, I, it is a heavy shoulder shrug, mostly because what I saw when I watched it was a lot of wasted potential. I think. With a different script, this could have been a much and a different focus on the subject material. I think this could have been a lot better movie. Um, props to Daniel Bruhl. I thought he was probably the only Oscar-worthy thing in this movie. For sure. And that's kind of like the talk at the time was yeah. that Daniel Bruhl had a shot at sporting. And I'm I'm glad that he is going on to have a career as like one of the thousand people who will be appearing in Captain America: Civil War. Mm-hmm. Really? He's Baron that's, Zemo. Oh, he's the villain. My God. <laughs> But, I mean, that's not that impressive. I mean, who is not in that movie? No, I know. That's why I didn't – just it's amazing to me that there is yet another person that I didn't know about in this movie. I'm going to be – oh, my God. I really they called just... me yesterday. I'm in the movie. Like, I <laughs> – We're going to have a top 250 ranking of Kayla's Civil War rants on podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think we're at three. <laughs> I just really want them to do Steve Rogers' story justice, and I am starting to feel like that is not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, I I just really want some more Iron Man in my career. No, America. no, I'm so oh, I don't need Iron Man 17. Like, just, okay, I'm sorry. Oh, that's what I think of when I watch Captain America is how much more Iron Man I want. <laughs> sorry, this happens in every episode somehow, and I don't know how. <laughs> what movie are we doing? We're doing Spirited Away next week. I wonder how I'm gonna fit this in there. <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki will also be appearing in Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler and I are crying. It's over. (laughs) Okay, all right. 
Okay, we're gonna transition back into real <laughs> things that happen on the podcast. <laughs> Kayla, can you do the IMU trivia? Yes. I need to compose myself. <laughs> All right. So, the fun trivia fact of the week is that um, Daniel Brühl and Chris Hemsworth were not actually allowed to drive the Formula One cars, probably because they're like just like you can't touch those because you're not worthy. So they actually were driving Formula Three cars with like fake Formula One like exoskeletons over them, which is just like, I looked at the trivia a couple times trying to decide like what was the best one. And like, there's a lot of interesting historical stuff, but to me that is just like so hilarious. And I just, sure? yeah, it's in the trivia. And I, they, were at a, they were at a Formula Three race. No, 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 no. Like every car they drive in the movie, like even when they're doing the Formula One stuff is a Formula Three car. Oh, weird. That those two are driving anyways. Yeah. I know they use real Formula One cars for like some of the shots where professional. Yeah, they had, it had like fake them. body work on it, which I just like, I don't know, that just is so hilarious to me. And I kind of just imagine like the real Nikki Lauda probably like being low-key pissed about it. <laughs> All right. And my um, fun IMDb 250 uh, fact for the week is that Rush is one of 83 movies post-2000 on the list, and that is 33%. Uh, so 33% of the entire list is made up of movies released after 2000. Hmm. That is so crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess I understand because, again, it's like a popular vote thing, but it's just like... Last, right. ye- last year is tied for the second most represented year on the list with eight movies. 2015 already has two on the list. I can assume the voters are probably people our age, so that would yeah, explain I don't it. Yeah, I guess it's it's weird to me because I always forget that I guess maybe not everybody is super interested in like old movies, whereas mm-hmm. I love old movies. So you are so cool. I know. What can I say? Do you want to? I was like, don't don't tempt me. I can go back into the Civil War rant. Let's <laughs> not. Save it for next week, Kayla. Yeah. Start thinking <laughs> maybe, now about how we're going to get that Maybe in that week. could be like our, our sign-off. Like, remember, Captain America Civil War will maybe not be good, and we should demand better of Marvel Studios for Steve Rogers. I think we should <laughs> withhold that really until long. we get closer and just talk about how terrible Jurassic World is. But anyways, <laughs> uh, let's get to our recommendations of the week. Kayla? Um, oh. I had... I had a cool fact that I looked yes. up. You have a cool fact. Facts. All right. Let's go. <laughs> So you remember in the movie how they said that he caught his wife cheating with uh, Richard Burton, correct? Actor. Yes. There was a scene shot in which Richard Burton was supposed to be in the movie, played by Russell Crowe, which they edited out for some reason. Oh, God. That would have been so distracting. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. Probably, but I, 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 <laughs> I found it interesting. That uh, that would have just been distracting and unnecessary, I feel. I'm glad it was. It's just like, yeah, it's just like tossing star power and for the sake of having it, really. Or Ron Howard having buddies because he's been Hollywood forever. What? (laughs) Good old Ron. Literally forever. He he was a child actor. Yeah. And he has another movie in the 252, so we'll get to him eventually. Oh, The Beautiful Mind, starring. Oh, that movie sucks. Good. I'm so stoked to do that one. Do you want to do it next week? No. We can we're put doing, off we're Miyazaki. Doing, we're doing Spirit of It. Phil already bought a microphone to record the podcast, so we're not putting off Miyazaki, especially for a beautiful mind. <laughs> so that's what we'll be talking about next week and who we'll have here. And we're going to end with some recommendations. Yes. Kayla? Okay, so again, I'm not really a sports person. What? Shut up. <laughs> but um, I have seen the Wachowski siblings version of Speed Racer, and 
as with Jupiter Ascending, it is so ridiculous that it's good in a way, although I feel like the payoff is a little low, but if you're like looking to just like have a couple of drinks and just like have like a really fun, colorful, like fast paced movie, I think that you should watch Speed Racer. Is that every Wachowski movie at this point? Maybe. I don't know. Phil, our guest next week, Phil, it's like literally his favorite movie. Oh. He, Speed that's... Racer? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Cause... I mean, cool. What? That's, that's his opinion. <laughs> He's entitled. <laughs> well, what's your favorite movie? Let's talk about that. <laughs> no, we're doing recommendations oh. based on Rush right now. But tangents. <laughs> we can't have any more tangents. We're on a time constraint, unfortunately. I'm so, on a time constraint. Ben, what is your movie recommendation? Did you come up with one? I did. My movie recommendation is a British documentary called Senna about a Formula One race car driver named Artin Senna. Um, I have seen it. It is actually very, very good um, and actually historically accurate. So if Rush pisses you off with things they invented, like James Hunt beating the shit out of reporters, then go and watch this more historically accurate documentary. Yay! That's actually a really good recommendation and much better than mine, so props. <laughs> and my recommendation is not going to be as sophisticated, but it is another movie that's on the 250. Uh, it's Warrior, the UFC movie. Now, I'm not super into UFC, but it's kind of like Rush in that it is a surprisingly effective movie about a sports rivalry and a sport that we do not usually consume. As at least on a, on a mass level until recently, and it stars Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, and it, it's kind of similar to this movie where it's kind of, it's carried by one main lead performance. There's a second lead performance that's all right, and it's just a better than expected movie because of that. And we'll be covering it someday. Yay! Yay. Is that on the top two fifty two? Warrior is in the top two fifty. Okay, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to have a word with IMDb. It's but, not IMDb's fault. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna strut into the offices of IMDb and demand they make changes for my own convenience. Tom Hardy with apps though. Okay, fine. It's at 142. It's actually higher than Rush. Damn. It's right up there with the uh, fellow modern classic Gran Torino. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> also, so excited to do that. Underneath Hall's Moving Castle though. Woo. <laughs> So much of this list is just me, like, internally groaning. <laughs> and on that note, be back next week to hear us on internally groan yet again. Oh, wait. We're doing a Miyazaki movie next week. Oh, we yeah. will not be internally groaning. So if you're tired of us moaning, groaning, and talking about Marvel movies, next week we'll be talking about Miyazaki. Just all-around delightful, probably the most upbeat podcast since we started with Amelie, mm-hmm. but with microphones. Yay! But what about Civil War? <laughs> don't worry, I'll come up with something for next week. Ben, I am anticipating. Ben, don't do this. <laughs> ben, I will push you back your next appearance by a month. <laughs> I mean, we're so popular Ooh. and so well-booked that, like, who knows? Who knows what could happen? I know, really. I was really, I, I just, I do want to say to our friends that are listening, I was really excited for um, Could I edit this part out? all of the really positive feedback and all of the, like, enthusiasm to be involved and to help us out, because... This is really fun, and I'm really glad that you're all going to be doing with us. I'm really glad that you're here, Ben. Actually, I was not enthused about this. I don't know if Tyler told you, but I pretty much only commented on this because of my massive rage toward him for betraying me and starting a podcast with someone else. (laughs) I'm surprised it took this long to come out, honestly. (laughs) To be fair, I am Tyler's best friend in the whole world. 
Allegedly. So <laughs> it made sense. I'm sorry. But to be fair, I basically messed up Tyler's career at the school newspaper. So I think we're a little bit closer. We're getting some major <laughs> personal God. history Whoa. here. Let's this like... is good. <laughs> Next week, we'll have uh, personal therapy sessions at the end of the podcast. We good? We're gonna have, like... You told me you loved me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do couples therapy right now. We're going to be inviting my father on to talk to him about our relationship. <laughs> oh, damn. I'm, out, I'm out of that one. <laughs> but All that's right. actually great, though. It'd be really fun. Oh, my God. All right. Well... <laughs> Tyler, I'll let you compose yourself a little bit. Oh, he's crying again. I don't know the I outro. Do I can't do the I outro. I can do this. I can do this. Okay. Thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In. You can find us on SoundCloud, newly on iTunes. You can email us at ltrfipod at gmail.com or find us at letthewrightfilmsin.tumblr.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Like Kayla said, whether you're a future guest or just some blessed soul who wants us in your life for an hour or two every week this is a lot of fun we'll be back next week again talking about spirit away with our good friend phil who is i mean i was gonna say a lover of me is but everyone is thanks for ben to ben for coming on we'll talk to y'all next week and remember jurassic world is trash and always will be so we are running with that now yes okay Thank you for listening to the Nothing. No, it's the wrong podcast. <laughs> wrong podcast. It's the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs>